Before we begin, please be warned that this episode may contain some strong language and adult themes not suitable for all listeners. And for the emotional amongst us, you might want to bring a few tissues. Hello, and welcome to Me, Myself and Comedy, the podcast by me, James Connolly. Apologies if I'm a little bit giddy, but I'm so excited that you're here and I'm so excited to be doing this, so bear with. In this series, I'm going to explore what comedy means to me in all various forms. But for this episode, episode one, I'm going to look at comedy as an identity. <laughs> Little one now, do a big throw. Wow, that was a good one, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Okay then. How much? Why? What are you buying? You don't need three pound. You don't. I'll give you one pence. One pence. What do you say? Thank you. I'm giving it yeah. Please. That's a good boy. So that's me in the park with me dad, Crocky Park. I'm called James, I'm 23, and I'm from West Derby in Liverpool. I've got four sisters, and right now I'm sitting in Leeds with about six cushions around me head, a small coffee table on me desk, and the rest is covered by towels. Recording this podcast, unemployed. All right then. Now before we start, I need to point out that what I'm about to tell you across these five episodes is my journey, my creative process, and how I navigate my life. And to be honest, I think it's absolutely hilarious, which is the most important thing. Because when I'm doing comedy, I need to know that I find it funny before I need to know that anybody else does. It's so subjective, and every time I listen to other comedy writers or performers, the the, the ethos that I'm getting is if you find it funny, run with it, and if other people don't, bin them off. Before we dig into comedy as an identity though, I feel like I need to just give you a little bit of a background about who I am and why probably you should listen or follow me for the entirety of my career, hopefully. So I'm James. I went to West Derby Boys in Liverpool and throughout my school career, I was always interested in the creative subjects. And then when it got to time to leave, I decided I'm gonna to go to university. So I applied to do graphic communication at Leeds University. I didn't get in. Actually, I didn't quite get the grades. I didn't really know what to do. Somebody suggested that I do a foundation. So I did a foundation in Liverpool City Centre in art and design. And oh my God, was I like a pig in shit. In this building, people were throwing paint, making sculptures, collaging, drawing, sewing. Everything you can think of creatively was literally at my fingertips. I decided to specialise in visual communication. And to be perfectly honest... For the next 12 months, I basically just experimented and got bevied about four nights a week. We went on a trip once to London, and my good friend now, Jenny, was actually my tutor at the time. And we went to the National Portrait Gallery, paid £5 to see an exhibition, and when we come out, everyone else had gone back to the hostel. So what you do? You take your tutor to Covent Garden and you have a few bottles of wine. That year was really important, actually, because it sort of gave me a choice. You know, I could go to university that I actually wanted to go to and spend time picking a course that I wanted to do. 
Our Kathleen and Jed, my cousins, they'd gone to Leeds, so it was just a thing to do, and I really liked staying with our Kathleen when I had interviews. So I applied for visual communication at Leeds Arts University. And three years later, I graduated, and now, 12 months on, I'm sitting here in Leeds. I haven't quite left yet. Visual communication was brilliant for me because it was just so open. You didn't quite need to specialise. And to be honest, I didn't really know how to specialise because I hadn't really put my hand to too many things for an extensive amount of time. I wasn't making films. I wasn't a photographer. I wasn't a fine artist. I was just constantly running around, discovering new people and asking about their stories. And in some weird way, even though I made various different things, that always filtered into my work. So that's sort of where I am academically. But parallel to that narrative is the narrative of my life, isn't it? All those little in-between bits. So it's okay to say I graduated here and I moved here then. But what happened in those three years? Where, where are we looking at? Where are we pulling comedy? Because it isn't just all what you learn out of a textbook, as we know with everything. When I was 16, I got my first job with my mum. So at this point, we're back in West Derby School. I started in the estate agents as the office junior and I absolutely loved it. The only thing was when it got to the winter, no one was buying a house. So instead of the woman who owned the branch turning the heaters off for a few weeks to save some money, she just bin me instead. But I got my own back because I went in on the Friday. I used all of her paper and printed out all of my CVs. I took them to town that Saturday and handed them out in about 48 shops. And out of all of those people I spoke to, only one called me back. And it was a woman called Sue. Sue rang me the same day and she was like, Hi, yeah, uh, just because you were in town, I thought to save your journey, you know. Come in and we'll interview today. We've got some seasonal positions available if you're interested. And when I went in, Sue asked me what attracted me to the store and I told her it was the carpet. I'm not really sure how, but the following Tuesday I got the job and I started as a Christmas temp in Goldsmiths the Jewellers on 23rd of November 2013. The reason I've made an emphasis on Sue's name is because little did I know she would be the biggest change out of my upbringing to my life to date. Over that Christmas period, I had the best time ever. Me and Sue and many others who worked there had an absolute ball. The characters that used to come into that shop, despite it being a jeweller's, it didn't even matter. It was so brilliant. And on Christmas Eve, when my contract terminated, like it said it would, I absolutely bawled my eyes out. I couldn't believe that I'd met this group of people, a mixed bag of ages that I had so much fun with. And it was like my own thing. And it was over. On Boxing Day, I got Sue's number and we maintained a really, really good and spontaneous, might I add, friendship. We went out every single month on a night out and you just didn't know what you were going to laugh at from one minute to the next. I got introduced to the underbelly of the gay scene in Liverpool. I went to all of these different restaurants, met all these different people. It was just a very immersive six months, to be honest. And at that point and that following summer, I got a phone call from Sue. Are you lad, you alright? Yeah, yeah, I'm good, are you? Yeah, I'm sound, just on my own from work. Oh, have you been busy? Yeah, yeah. Listen, do you want to come into work tomorrow? I was absolutely beside myself. I ran up and got my suit, I ragged my tie out of the drawer, and I was in work the next day. 
And that was pretty much the case for the next six years. I've worked on and off in Goldsmiths for six years and every single time I've had a new payroll number, a new reason to be there, a new finishing date and a new reason to leave. It did become a little bit of a love-hate relationship towards the end, but nonetheless, that six years and that job in that company completely opened my eyes. Where does this come into comedy? We've met Sue. We know where I went to school. We know where I'm from. We know that I've graduated and we know that I'm sitting in Leeds recording a podcast. What specifically is it about Sue that is so significant to comedy as an identity for me? Well, I'll tell you. She said to me one day, Jay, we need to go and see the Ab Fab film. So we did. We went to the Fax Cinema in Liverpool. We smuggled a bottle of champagne in and we were looking for the perfect opportunity to pop it. And just as the advert went really loud, I said, do it now. And then it went silent and all she heard was, shh. I came out of that cinema, half pissed, and thought, oh my God, what a brilliant comedy duo. That is the best thing I've seen in years. At the same time at uni, we were doing a a module where we had to pick an area of interest and sort of pull some academic argument together about it and hand it in. I think I did mine on comedy duos or something, or I can't quite remember. But me talking about comedy, little did I know, wasn't a rarity. In response to this academic argument, we had to make a creative piece. So I decided me and Sue are quite funny. I've just spoke about Abfab. Why didn't I put us into a comedy sketch? You know, so I sort of sat there. Sue's name, little joke. I'd never wrote jokes in my life. It wasn't really that funny, but I thought, well, it lends itself to what I've just written. I'll probably get a few extra marks. And then the next project was self-directed. Right, you've got six weeks. You've got an exhibition at the end of it. Go make whatever you want. So I took a camera out and took it to Benidorm with Sue. No tripod, no script, no premise, and filmed us two. The goal was to make a trailer, a comedy trailer that sort of give you an idea of what a series might look like should it be about me and Sue. And little did I know, it would completely change the game. So when it came to the exhibition, I debuted my trailer, 32 years and a bottle of wine. Tonight, I think we should just have a bit of a quiet one. Definitely. Ah! What? I'm late for work again? So you're always late for work. True. Cheers, cheers. So, I need to get out of here. I don't fit in. They keep leaving me out. I'll get the violins out. I've got one better. I've just been sacked. Are you 50 and still single? Tired of sleeping alone? Searching for that special someone? Oh, you can turn that shit off. And that was Sheila's take on why size definitely does matter. Anyway, guys, don't forget you've still got the chance to win a holiday to Benidorm for two. And if you're feeling the presses of life, it could be you. I'm going out. You in? Sue? Again? Hasn't she got any friends her own age? The response to that was absolutely phenomenal. I'd actually made people laugh. And honestly, when I stood there listening and looking around at other people giggling, a little hunger built in me that day. It was so exciting. What shocked me the most, I think, is when people came up to me and were so plaisé about the fact that I'd made a piece of comedy, almost like they kind of expected me to. But I think I expected me to as well. 
It just seemed fitting, I suppose that fits with my character. I'm always up for a laugh. I'm quite happy to take the piss out of myself. And it's fun. 32 years and a bottle of wine will always stand as a mark. The day when I sought a scave comedy, a bit of respect, and decided, you know what? This is a creative output. And this is potentially my creative output. So comedy is an identity then. Let's pull that little brief history about me and put it side by side with why I'm so boldly stating that comedy is in my identity. We've seen the milestone version of James from school to graduation to now and we've seen the social side of James with the influential people that he's met and things that he's done. Briefly, but we've been there. I now had a creative output where I could tell those stories and meet those people and it actually means something and this to me was very exciting. We're always living our life in those little in-between moments as I mentioned before but we don't realise that how we spend our time is our identity. I feel like I go around with a particular set of lenses on. For example, I wouldn't go into a hospital to get my genital warts removed, kick the bucket of water over, slip, break my arm and then think the world was out to get me. I'd probably get up and phone Sue and say, oh my God, wait till you hear what's just happened to me. I was a show and it was brilliant. And that's an approach. It's a mindset. And put bluntly, that is comedy drama. When I go about my day and I have to make decisions when all of the uncontrollable things happen to me, like if something good happens or, you know, if something bad happens, whatever. The only thing I have complete control over is how I narrate what's just happened. I can either see myself as a victim of what's just happened. I can see myself as a credit to myself, boost my ego and think I made that happen brilliant. Or I can remain neutral, celebrate the good when it's good and sit and reflect on the bad when it's bad. But I always keep in mind that nothing bad lasts forever because it doesn't. And I'm here to have fun and that's always something to look forward to. That to me is comedy drama. You can't have the humour if you haven't got the tragedy because without the bad, you've got no sense of proportion and you don't know what you're laughing at, which is usually your lack of control. This happened to me and I looked terrible and this, that is funny. British humour is so self-deprecating for some anyway. Not many people like to laugh at themselves, but loads of people do. And with that mindset and with that in my identity, if this comedy thing goes completely tits up, That's fine to me because I'll still be seeking out people and narratives and I'll still be living by the same principles of that comedy drama world. It's really interesting because despite not having a body of work big enough to be known for, I think what people get on board with when I tell them I'm doing comedy is that they see how I sort of make sense of the world around me and find the everyday comical. I look for opportunities And I don't mean financial gain or opportunities to develop in career or any of that. Just opportunities to turn the everyday into something interesting. This is why when everything does go tits up, we always run back to that family or friend that we can just talk shite to. Because you make sense of everything and anything and nothing all at once in those conversations. Those 4am chats when you just love to get real with people. You're just trying to understand your own thoughts and kind of open that they say it back because no one's got a clue. So, off the back of that, I just think comedy is in my roots, so to speak. 
It makes me tick. It's how I think about things. And it's very, very comforting to know that I can probably laugh my way out of a hardship. I'm just saying that the, the line between my work and my life is blurred because I think in a particular way when I'm writing a scene, also when I'm booking a holiday, also when I'm out for lunch with my friend, you know, it's all blurred to me. It's not really that it's something I'm not aware of. It's actually something that I'm hyper aware of. It's a state of mind that doesn't switch off. I don't come home and decide to act in a non-comedy work way. It just doesn't work like that. So comedy is in my identity. So to wrap this up, at the age of 23, I feel like I'm leaving a chapter of my life behind now. My childhood in its entirety. And it's a really bittersweet thing to reflect on because I'm so excited for what's next. And if I had to think retrospectively about what I might say to my younger self, in the form of a letter perhaps, it would probably go something like this. Dear James, I really like your sweater, by the way. But my God, you've got a fat head. Anyway, I really like how you're colouring in within the lines. It's very neat. I like it. But here's a question. What if you jarred that red pencil quickly through the line? That humble half-coloured-in lioness that you're working on now. She'll have a gaping wound and suddenly turn into this 2D beast with a story to tell. Is that not more interesting? Well, so it's, it's a bit inappropriate really for a minor, isn't it? So do you, do you know what? Just forget I just said that actually, sorry. But what I'm saying is, what's beyond that picture? You'll grow to realise that your mind ticks like this. It's a bit like a scratch card. And every time you observe something, your mind will start scraping away to reveal a process, an evolution or a story behind it. And this is an amazing curiosity to have and we should both be grateful for it. My journey as a storyteller begins with you. I now reflect the chatty, outgoing and gregarious child that you are, unforgivingly chatting away to everyone. And I need to say, thank you. It's saving me well. You need to keep listening to what people have to say because it's really paying off. But always do your own research and remain open-minded. It'll save you a lot of time because you're going to spend a good portion of time unlearning. And I know that doesn't really make sense right now, but it is what it is. I don't want to give too much away, but you are a creative, so don't worry about that. And you'll be surrounded by lots of other creatives too. But just remember, when you start to feel like a fraud in the studio, because you don't have one of those conventional trades, don't fight it. Don't battle between fully engaging with your work and working as a social thread, stitching everyone together for a drink or for lunch or even a conversation, because that is your trade. And then one day, it'll occur to you that your specialism is people. Your curiosities are definitely going to serve a huge purpose to your life. And I'm just so excited for you to meet a few special people. And get to know our family as adults. There's a lot of wine involved and that's all I'm saying. I'm a little bit jealous actually that I can't do that all over again. You won't cry much. And if you do, it'll be out of gratitude more than sadness. So remember that. We've got some really good people around us and you're definitely, definitely grateful to have them. Ideas can only be perfected when they are no longer ideas, so start making work as soon as possible and never, ever, ever 
take yourself too seriously. Fathead. What pancakes? Oh, you're not climbing, are you? <gasps> Look, mommy's climbing. Not James. Look at your mum. Hey, what should we do now? God, it was a bit deep, wasn't he? Feel slime, baby James. That's not even that fat. Anyway, that was episode one of Me, Myself and Comedy, written and performed by me, James Connolly. Produced by Sound Design and Original Score by Tom Ip. Visual Identity and Artwork by Jay Vaz. And Animation by Laurie Miller. Don't forget you can email me at memyselfandcomedypodcast at gmail.com. Follow me on Instagram at James Connolly Comedy. And don't forget to share me. And I'll see you next week for episode two. Comedy as a philosophy. <laughs>